Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is a Manhattan-bound B Express train. The next stop is Grand Street. Mind the gap. Hello? I'm John Alich, and this is Skylines, the Cinemetric Podcast. In fact, this is one of those rare outside broadcast ones we do, because I'm currently sitting in the bar of the Royal Station Hotel in Newcastle, or Newcastle, as I should probably keep getting told I should call it, uh, where the barman has been very kind in turning the music off in here, so I can actually record this thing. And I'm sat here with a local journalist who's going to tell me all about his fine city. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Chris Stoker-Walker. I'm a freelancer for Sunday Times, The Economist, Wired, occasionally New Statesman, have once written for you, John. And I'm based in Newcastle, yeah, yeah. up north. So that's, that's my first question. Is like, As with so many other industries, the media is incredibly centralised in London, and people who aren't in London tend to be in Salford. What's it like? like what, what was it that made you decide to base yourself up here? I did not want to live my life in a 750 quid a month hovel in Central. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, I basically, um, I have in the past sort of looked at staff jobs uh, in London, um, but they basically don't don't appeal to me. Uh, The idea of having to spend half your salary on accommodation and then Mm. another quarter on the tube, when frankly you can do your job nowadays from anywhere thanks to Skype, thanks to emails, things like that, makes it, far easier for me and also I can kind of I don't know make a, a deal of it I can kind of be the rare person based mm. in the north who can actually do journalism up here based here and it is it's, it's worth saying so it is bloody gorgeous up here yeah. like I, I, I came here for a couple of days largely because it's the, the largest British city I haven't been to and I've been meaning to for a while and I've heard good things but the centre is absolutely stunning. It's like just architecturally, in terms of just like the infrastructure, it's one of the great cities of the world and nobody ever bloody talks about that. No one ever says you've got to go on a weekend to Newcastle because it's a great, you know, just it's a great place for a city break. Do that. It, and I kind of think it's like, you guys are keeping it a secret. Well, we, well, we're not. We're shouting about it. But the fact is that we're like a three-hour train journey away from all the people that know about it. And this is this is kind of the big thing that I have difficulty with is that I will try and pitch stories either about hard news or about sort of soft features highlighting some of the stuff that is really good up north. But when you're talking to a London-based editor mm. and they say, well, 
you know, most of our readership is in the south. It really has to be extraordinary to to make it in, in the sort of paper or the website. It, it, it's kind of a best kept secret because we are so remote and. I don't know whether or not it's necessarily our fault that we're not shouting about it or whether or not it's sometimes that the yeah, inherent sure. biases come about. And it is worth saying, I think it is remote in a way. So most of the big northern cities are in that kind of M62 corridor. We've got Liverpool, Manchester, Leeds, Sheffield, Hull and various others. They're all great in Manchester, aren't they? Uh, kind of, I mean, but Manchester is kind of in the middle of that. Yeah. They're all within like an hour or 30 miles of Manchester. The first hole, not so much, but the rest are. And that's kind of a, a thing. And then the northeast is sort of something else, another 100 miles away, but sometimes gets bundled in as if there is a thing called the north. Yeah, well, this is, this is the issue. I mean, you know, we have fights in the northeast about Newcastle and Sunderland and which one's the best. So the mm. fact that you think that we're going to go along with Manchester and gobby Yorkshire people in terms of... You know, agglomerating ourselves into one northern powerhouse is a bit ridiculous, which is kind of part of my reporting. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of the northern powerhouse. I think that it's pretty obvious from some of the stuff that I've done that I'm not. But I think that there is a, a sort of role for for the northeast to stand alone. Um, and I think that you have to look at facts. You know, Manchester is basically as remote as London is to Newcastle. So, you know, it's two and a half hours on the train to the first one, three hours to the second. Like, you can't have a lot of coverage from here because it is so remote. Even, like, the... You know, you look at The Guardian, who do amazing stuff mm. uh, in the north, and but all of their stuff is... Their office, their northern outpost, is based in Manchester. Which Helen means, Pitt, the yeah. northern editor, is a Mancunian. Yeah, and Helen does fantastic stuff, and you've got Josh Halliday and people like that who, you know, do their very best to get over here. But ultimately, it's a hard slog for them. It's mm. it's not something that you can just hop over to Newcastle from Manchester for in a way you think you might be able to. And it's, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's also quite a small population like the whole northeast region is like a couple of million yeah two and a half yeah which is like the smallest uh region or nation of the uk by population amongst the and poorest that's yeah spread, spread over a wide, wide area and yeah as you say it's among it's among the poorest but this is something that's really struck me with the last couple of days wandering around newcastle and and uh tyneside and weirside more generally it's like actually the poverty is not as visible as I expected. Like, the city centre in Newcastle feels like it's thriving. And there's lots of other bits that do feel like... It feels like there is more affluence here than I expected. I mean, is that just me being, you know, a southern racist against the north? Little, I mean, a little bit. It's a little okay, bit. It, okay. it, it, it's, not, it's not all coal and whippets and flat caps. I mean, you know, we do have a lot of stuff. We've got a, a thriving tech sector in Newcastle. We make a lot of stuff. I mean, you know, you look at Nissan in Sunderland, though, whether or not they're going to be there for long. Um, this is a Brexit-free podcast. Yeah, let's not. Can't, let's, I can't. Just, we can't. I mean, yeah. well, we're recording it on the day. Yeah. So we can't really <laughs> not. But, uh, and, and, you know, you have services and things like that. Sage, for instance, um, the IT company, one of, you know, in the FTSE 250 or 100, I can't remember which, they're based up here. They're headquartered here. They were founded here. They're kind mm. of like a big success story. But it's often in the affluence is often in things that either aren't sexy enough for sort of mainstream consumption or isn't you know world beating. 
it, it's kind of we get by. There is, you know, there are pockets of you know poverty in here. You know, you kind of went almost to the fringe of it in terms of biker, but if you go further into the east end of Newcastle, then you you do get into some rough bits. And I say that as the the son of a, a teacher who um, taught for thirty five years in Walker, which is one of the the worst bits essentially mm-hmm. in Newcastle. Um, you know, the fact that we had the UN uh, coming up here and looking at our food banks last week. Um, was kind of indicative of that, but yeah, you're right. Like the the city itself, Newcastle, uh, Gates, uh, uh, you know, even parts of like South Shields, which you went to, they they do have a lot of interesting projects mm. going on. And the poverty isn't as bad as people think. And even if it is slightly poorer than you might expect, there are people doing interesting things up here, which ought to be celebrated. I also got the distinct impression that it is. The cost of living up here is significantly lower, and I think it's probably a reflection of that, that there are sort of, you know, little independent cafes and bars all over the place. So the sort, you know, the sort if they popped up in Hackney, we'd get a double page in the Evening Standard, you know? And they're just kind of scattered all over the landscape up here. Like, it looks like... I hate to say it, but it's, much of it looks like it's a gentrified London suburb. That's the thing that surprised me. That's the thing. The way that I describe it is that Newcastle is kind of like London, but on a 10-year delay, essentially, mm. and Manchester on a five-year delay. So, you know, you walked past um, on your little tour of Newcastle uh, yesterday, I think you walked past uh, our version of the box park, which is Stack Newcastle. So... We have two of them now. We've got one on the gates of Quayside. We've got one right in the heart of the city, and they're kind of. So, should explain for anyone who doesn't know what Box Park or Stack Newcastle is. It's basically like little independent shops and shipping containers, yeah. right? It's yeah. Stacked on top of each other. Cheap and easy way yeah. of, of getting businesses, and they and tend to put them on like development sites in London while the the developers are waiting for something to happen. So then, actually, to get building, they tend to sort of use it as a way of monetizing the land. In the meantime, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But they've been in London for you know ten years or more, right? And and you know, we just got two in the last six months, which is kind of indicative of that weird delay in terms of filtering things back. Like you know, matcha lattes and avocado on toast. You can almost think of it like that. Yeah, we we kind of had the hipster revolution a little bit late as well. Mm. So yeah, we we do have affluence. I think that it's just that we are on a slight delay in comparison to everything else. It takes time for inverted commas culture to filter out to to the regions and up north, as you, you might want to put it. So one thing I wanted to ask about is the relationship with with Scotland. Like obviously Edinburgh's another hundred miles away, but something that really struck me about just the, the, the physicality of Newcastle is it kind of reminds me of Edinburgh and Glasgow more than it does the other northern cities. Is that a fair comment, do you think? Is that Yeah, I mean, it, you've got... You've, just in the colour of the stone. I mean, like, it's all sandstone up here, right? Yeah, and it is, it's beautiful. I mean, we have, like, Grangertown, which um, is essentially the big market um, and Grey Street and things like that were all developed by this very famous architecture uh, architect um, who, who made these incredible things. And... Yeah, the, the sort of the wide open boulevards are a bit like Glasgow. I always thought that Glasgow was a little bit like San Francisco type things, like West Coast American cities. Um, and yeah, so we, we, it does owe a bit to that. I think that in terms of temperament and 
uh, you know, leaning to politics, we are still tethered more to London and elsewhere than we are to Edinburgh. I think, you know, you have to go pretty far north up into Northumberland to actually get any sort of mm. Scotland connection for that. Um, it, it seems to me like you have Glasgow and Edinburgh and Newcastle, which are pretty unique in terms of their their architecture. I mean, I used to do a lot of train journeys east to west from Newcastle to Manchester, and I noticed a massive change in the skyline from Man- uh, from Newcastle to Leeds, because suddenly at Leeds, you see these skyscrapers appearing. You see more modern buildings mm. in and around the train station. Then you go to Manchester, and you've got things like the Hilton Hotel, which are huge examples of that whereas in Newcastle you don't really have that you don't see that development I don't know no it's quite a the landscape is largely Victorian and Georgian yeah. still like, there's a little bit over the river in, in Gateshead but New, Newcastle city centre I haven't noticed that let's talk about Gateshead very briefly we were talking before we before we started recording we were chatting about the relationship between the various yeah. uh, uh, bits of the what used to be the old Tynan Weir metropolitan county Gateshead is immediately across the River Tyne, across those the various amazing bridges. The bridges alone make it worth yeah. the trip, to be honest. Um, but it's effectively like the South Bank equivalent in the like. It's, it's like there's a lot of all, all the cultural, a lot of the cultural offering is there. Yeah. Um, and it kind of feels like you're still in the, the Newcastle Central Business District, but it's a separate borough. It's a separate, very separate identity, and the devolution deal that's coming through. Gates had kind of pulled out of that one because he didn't want to play. Is that? Yeah, yeah. that's that's my reading of it. So it, it was. We have to what, rewind two years for that. I think so. It was going to be a whole northeast devolution deal. Um, I think it was something like seven hundred million pounds of investment was promised by by George Osborne, and you know the the quid pro quo for that was you have a northeast mayor and. Uh, various people put their names forward for that and then at the last minute Gateshead um, and a couple of other south of Tyne uh, authorities kind of said we're not playing anymore Mm. and it's interesting because yeah you said that you know all of the cultural offerings or most of them particularly the modern ones the sage Baltic things like the ancient of the north they are south of the river so they are in Gateshead and some people in Gateshead, not me, I am from Gateshead, but you know, my dad, for instance, can get a little bit snippy about Newcastle claiming things like Baltic and Sage and mm. the Angel of the North as its own. Um, and that kind of, I think, fed through to the, the devolution deal in that Gateshead kind of said, well, we feel a bit like a junior partner in, in this deal and we're not eager to get involved either with Newcastle nor are we keen to get involved with London because the one thing you have to remember uh, about northeast politics is that we are quite parochial and we are quite tribal as well so very labor dominated all around here um, and sometimes I think that the uh, labor MPs and the councillors can take a sort of oppositional stance that is just well screw the Tories in any way possible so like they won't you know they could be offered a really good thing but because it is from London because it is politics party Mm. politics before pragmatism they'll sometimes just swat away things I think that kind of is what might happen in the devolution 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It feels like, um, I'm sure they have their reasons, but it feels like a slightly eccentric choice in that it's also worth saying for you know, the kind of people who listen to this podcast will be interested in the fact that there is also a tiny way metro. There is. Um, like it has a small, a small underground section, but it's, it's and it's a very, very fine metro. This too, but there's a brilliant bit where you go out of Newcastle Central Station underground. Go, you're suddenly like on the bridge way above anything, and then you go underground again at the other end. But like Gateshead is one stop down. They're on the same transport system. It's obviously like you know the same metropolitan area at the very least like the idea of treating it separately when it's a single economic unit commuter zone and so on feels odd to me but you know it is it is but the thing is that you have to bear in mind that since the early 2000s Newcastle and Gateshead have been partnered together on this odd branding which is Newcastle Gateshead there's there's no space between it you know, we have a Hilton Hotel on the Gateshead side of the mm. quayside which is called Hilton Hotel Newcastle Gateshead and it's because you know Newcastle is kind of the older brother and so Gateshead can get very snippy about that particularly when they are putting forward significant amounts of the cultural offerings often significant amounts of the funding uh, and the legwork involved in that but the, the metro is a really good example you know apart from the fact that everybody whether they're tourists or locals will turn and look out the window as they go over the bridge because it is an incredible view um, it's just astounding it right? is isn't it's it? like you're, you're underground and then suddenly you're not just above ground you're way above the river we make things really well again. it's yeah. like and I know I've already said this but the bridges are just incredible like I immediately before coming to meet you uh, I did a slightly south have you seen our friends in the north yeah yeah because you hope so too but I because I'm that kind of ponce, so I decided to walk across the Tyne Bridge visiting to Denver back in anger, which is what happens in the very last episode of that. Yeah. But I just wanted to just walk across the bridge, really, because it's like, from the, the bridge is the best place to see the other bridges. Yeah, 
Well, I walked I walk across the high-level bridge because I live in Gateshead. Um, right Which over. is a covered bridge. We don't do covered bridges in this country. Covered bridge. There's a covered bridge. There's a covered bridge, although it is um, severely limited to traffic now. About 10 years ago, they closed it to anything but buses because basically the, the lower deck is uh, a road bridge and then above it you have um, trains um, and then the metro bridge runs parallel to it. I think it's the Queen Alexandra Bridge. Someone will pick me up on that if it's wrong. Be they will, like within yeah. minutes. Yeah, I know. It'd be terrible. But yeah, yeah, we build stuff here. Mm. We we used to build stuff here really, really well. We still kind of do. You know, even the Millennium Bridge is kind of inspiring. And you know, to my mind, I think Glasgow nicked the design for for their mm. bridge as well. So yeah, they're really beautiful. But the the metro, you know, it's difficult because. Theoretically, under the North of Tyne devolution deal, the mayor of that, I think, should have jurisdiction over transport, including the metro. But half of it's going to be outside his remit. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So I don't know what happens there. I mean, it's it's the metro is kind also, of... Also, I just slipped in saying he. That's terrible of me. I apologise. Yeah. Oh, exactly. yeah. But Well, that's another thing that I, you know, I'm not really qualified to talk about, I don't think. But in terms of who would be the mayor... There's not that many options. We don't have inspirational local politicians like Andy Burnham who can kind of fly the flag on a national level. I think Nick Forbes is probably the only. Is the Newcastle council leader? Yeah, Nick, yeah, Nick Forbes is. Um, yeah, he's he's been profiled all over the place, and he's he's very canny and very smart. He's you know he's doing a very good job in very difficult circumstances with council cuts, but he's also I think you know you need to have a sort of public profile that can inspire people and Nick Forbes is the closest that you get to that because he's very canny in terms of playing the media as well I think I'd like to move the conversation on or back depending on how you're looking at it and just talk a little bit more about transport because that's 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 what people are here for let's be honest so you've got the metro system with two lines which is quite loopy but there are um, you can get to the coast in half an hour though uh, and very nice coast it is too. Like, there's, there's coast in this place, isn't yeah. there? Like, but but I'm told that um, there are large chunks of the the area that aren't served by the metro, and I'm told the buses aren't great. Yeah, well, to be honest, the metro's not great either. I mean, the metro um, was under the control of DB Regio, which is a Deutsche Bahn mm. subsidiary, I think, um, and it's I can't remember whether it's confirmed or not. But they were certainly discussing about a year ago taking back control of the running of the metro because basically it was the, the rolling stock is sort of 40 years old mm. and about 20 years beyond its usable date. So they're kind of running knackered old uh, trains there. They, they'll bring in new ones, but it's not great. And likewise, the buses, they're regular, but they're not reliable. They're also really expensive. So part of the reason why I walk from Gateshead over to Newcastle here was that yeah, a single bus journey which takes 15 minutes, travels maybe a mile and a half is like £2.30 which is yeah. a lot of money to, you know, if you're trying to incentivise people to use public transport I think that's probably not the best way to go about it. But yeah, buses are a bit ropey um, Tyneweir Metro had a uh, extension which took it to Sunderland which you went on, I think, uh, yeah. for a brief moment, which is good, which is good. It's, it's two different cities, but also, you know, you go out east to the coast, you don't really go that far west. Um, 
And and like if you look at the map of the metro, it stops at St James's, which yeah. is St James's Park, yeah. where, the, where the football team yeah. plays, um, which is very slightly west of the city centre, and it doesn't go any further. And as I understand it, they can't extend it any further because of the building that's happened since. And yeah. If they were to try and do a metro in the west of Newcastle, it would basically have to be a tram or some such. Yeah, and I mean, and we haven't even thought about the fact that there is Middlesbrough further mm. south. That there is Northumberland further north, you know, mm. these things would benefit from being better connected. I have uh, a friend who works in Hexham, which is um, a, a market town uh, about half an hour's drive west of Newcastle. And for him to get, uh, he doesn't live in Newcastle anymore. He he sometimes comes and stays with me when he's working. Um, and for him to get from my flat in Gateshead. Uh, which is very close to Newcastle, uh, to Hexham in time for 9 o'clock. He has to leave at like 7am. He has to get up 7am, walk out my door, uh, walk to Newcastle Central train station, get on one of those beloved paces that we love talking about Mm. in the north, and moving over to Hexham. And they're not regular, is the thing. This is the difficulty. It's crazy. Um, I mean, just to wrap up, what what do you think the, the what do you need like both the city and the wider region? What what would your asks be if you were like going with a wish list to, to an enthusiastic government? What does it need that it doesn't have at the moment? An unlimited pot of money, obviously. Well, I mean, we all want that. Yeah. Like, oh, actually, Brexit's gonna Brexit's gonna deliver that. I think. So. Oh, good. A few. Okay. I seem to remember that from a bus <laughs> at some point. Yeah. But um, we'll have that. Yeah. No, um, I think. More respect would be nice, and a better voice. So, late 90s New Labour, Tony Blair, Prime Minister, is a North East MP. Uh, Nick Brown... uh, Still is, I believe, Nick Brown. Nick Brown still is, but obviously Nick Brown, uh, his power... I know he is Chief Whip, but his power in a Blairite Labour government is slightly different to his power in a Corbynite. Labour government. Uh, so we, we need more voices in the north. And the difficulty is that we have some middling to strong voices in the current political class, but we don't really have that dynamic leader who is able to shout really loudly about what is good about this region. Because there is a lot good about it. Your time here kind of demonstrates that. It's a place full of surprises that when you go to and think, oh, actually... This is this is a pretty decent place. The stereotypes that I have, they're wrong about this. So we need someone who will shout about it, I think. I mean, I would genuinely recommend if you've got a free weekend and you fancy going somewhere in Britain, then you could you could do a lot worse than this. There's a lot to see up there. And this is bloody gorgeous. So and there's a seaside as well. So why not? Go on, go to Newcastle. I'll make you welcome, promise. So that was a couple of hours ago. I'm now on a train uh, where I've been for some time. I was hoping to get some reading done while on here, uh, but I failed miserably at that because Brexit is happening, the government is falling, either of those things might not be true by the time you hear this. But it's been a very exciting evening, so I've been spending the time staring at Twitter, watching the door really is what I've been doing instead. Anyway, fabulous time in Newcastle. I reiterate my, my suggestion that if you have some free time and, and you can get a decent train ticket, then why not? You should go. It's genuinely is. I'm, there are very few cities I've been as abused about as this one in this country. Uh, 
Glasgow is another one. You should just get to Glasgow at your earliest opportunity, which we haven't done an episode on. We should do that. Which brings me to the reason I've kind of broken in here. Um, Skylines is going to go fortnightly. Uh, we've been weekly for just over a year now, and it's been fantastic. Um, it means we can able to respond to the news more quickly. It means I've managed to get so many guests on. But as you'll know if you're a regular listener or someone who, who reads my tweets, I am, I'm switching up to a slightly new role at the New Statesman where I'm going to be uh, day-to-day editing of the website. Uh, and there just isn't going to be time for me to, to interview someone and produce a podcast every week. So the plan, as I understand it, is we're going to go from weekly down to fortnightly, but we are going to get an external producer. So when you do get an episode, it will sound slightly less crappy than ones that I've put together myself. Just just warning you of that early on. Uh, we're not going anywhere. We're still going to do Skylines. And I hope you'll, you'll stay with us because uh, other than Glasgow, there's a lot of other great cities out there that we haven't even talked about. So we should really, we should really get on that. Anyway, I am about 15 minutes now from the King's Cross, I think. I hope uh, not so long ago we were overtaken by Thameslink train which is never a great sign, really, but, you know, nearly home. So, looking forward to getting home and getting some sleep and finding out if we still have a Prime Minister. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Skylines, the podcast from City Metric, the New Statesman City site. It was presented and produced by me, John Elledge. If you enjoyed the episode, then please do consider leaving us an iTunes review. It really helps other people to discover the show. And, you know, the more people get listening to the show, the sooner I can achieve my real goal of world domination for the medium of trains. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.